Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, seen Wednesdays on the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page and the Great American Collectibles Facebook page. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by the National Sports Collectors Convention and Sports Collectors Daily. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now your host, Tom Zappala. Okay, no Malori, huh? <laughs> Jam, you're out? I guess so. All right, wow, that's... that's pretty interesting. No problem, no problem. Hey, Happy New Year, Jam. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Uh, Tom Zappala calling and checking in from Florida. We just got here uh, day before yesterday, still exhausted. And this is our headline. We've got a great show today, by the way. We have our good friend Joe Orlando from Heritage Auctions is going to be joining us as our co-host. And another good friend, Jordan Gilroy from Leland's is going to be joining us. You can see them both there. But first, our headlines that I just made up two seconds ago. Tom and Rico arrived in Florida safely. I just got a call from Rico, an emergency call calling me from Publix in aisle three. And he was already jamming with some, somebody who worked there because he felt that the lettuce did not look up to his expectations. And they escorted him out of the market. That's Petroselli. <laughs> so we're in for a long, long winter with him. I'm just telling you right now, John. Is, uh, the fir- your first two Florida stories are just making me really not want to be your age. <laughs> which there's one? An, the iguana there's, one? There's an iguana on my fence, which was before we went on the He's air. He's gone now. And He's now it's now. a lettuce story with Rico. <laughs> Man, is this, <laughs> what the, is this what your 80s are like? Uh, no. All right, let's bring in our, both guests. We're going to bring in both, but we're going to talk to Jordan first, Jordan Gilroy of uh, Leland's. Jordan, what kind of what kind of a, a year did you guys have? I mean, I suspect it was a spectacular year. It was, yes. I mean, everything kind of picks up towards the new year with it being cold and everyone inside bidding on items. But you know, every sport is in full season. Be- uh, well, except baseball. You have basketball. You have football. You have hockey. And now we're kind of approaching the football playoffs, and that always gets sports fans, you know, livid. No matter what sport you like, even if you don't like football, you're entertained. So overall, it's good. Yeah. Jordan, um, you get to the start of a new year and we'll talk a little, you know, end of last year into this year. What do you guys do in terms of goals? Do you do you guys get together, set certain goals for the coming year? I mean, a lot of your businesses, you know, what comes in, what you get. So a lot of it, you don't even know. You don't know what's going to happen in March or April, what you might find. But do you set goals for a new year, like at this time or, you know, nearing the end of last year? Um, not necessarily. I mean, the goal is always the same, and that's to put out quality auctions. Um, you know, everything is seasonal and you know, we have four auctions a year, so we like to take advantage of what's hot during those auctions. I guess that would be the the main goal. And now, you know, certain items are hot, certain items aren't. And I guess maybe focusing more attention and time on the items that are doing well instead of the items that aren't. 
Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because my next question was going to be, you know, what did you learn from this year in terms of trends, uh, popular items, whether it's, you know, popular players, sets, particular items like photographs, autographs. Um, what do you see now, you know, is happening in 2024 in terms of hot and not? Well, I think we've all learned that the stable thing to do is to, if you're doing it for, you know, investing standpoint, this is the advice. But I mean, if you're a collector, it doesn't really matter if you like it. But as far as values go, it's more stable to invest and buy like retired players that aren't going to mess up their reputation. I think we've learned from all the young quarterbacks in the league right now that you never know what's. Did we? I think he uh, might have just froze. Him? He might have just froze up. Did we? Yeah. Yep. No, you, you know what's okay. funny? And Joe, we can ask you about this because it was actually one of the questions. And you, Trish, uh, Chris, let me know when he's back. But um, I was going to touch on that when we talked, Joe, and with Jordan as well. And not to promote Tom's commercial of always going vintage and forget modern because all the guys are going to end up in I've jail and stuff like that. Well, I've always we said invest wise. Are you back, Jordan? Jordan, are you back? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, keep going because you were talking yeah. about how the, the you know the the young quarterbacks, all the injuries and stuff like that. And go ahead, elaborate on that a little bit. Oh yeah, I mean, and I forget which month, maybe August of of this year. It's uh, you know everyone wants to put money in the young guys because if they do well, their stock is going to go up. Right. But a lot of the young guys got hurt; they didn't perform well. It's true. I mean, you look at the draft class of Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence is okay, but Trey Lance got hurt. Justin Fields is doing okay, but his team isn't. So. Trevor Trevor Lawrence is the only guy from that quarterback draft class who's still starting for the team that drafted him. Other one, they've either, all those other guys have either been cut or benched. It's amazing, you know. That is crazy. crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Um, Jordan, you know, again, I know we have talked about this ad nauseum about the modern collector, but you know these. Uh, I'm sure maybe you can, maybe you know, you don't know. Uh, did a lot of the young collectors that invested heavily into modern, I mean, m many of them probably really got burned because I remember at the very beginning, some of the prices that they were paying for just, you know, Juan DeFranco, for instance, you know, I mean, guys like that, the mo I mean, they must have taken a beating financially, many of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything seemed to be indestructible for a long time. And things were just going up and people were spending $10,000 like it was nothing. And, at, you know, now it's a different, different thing. And young people that are now into it who didn't, you know, collect when they were young, they just started getting into it for the money purposes. I guess, you know, unfortunately, some people did lose money, some more than others. I don't know if, you know, there are some people that got out and they're just tired of it and they don't want to do it anymore. And then there are people that are like, okay, this is just a wave. It'll get better. Maybe it's a good time to buy because things are down. But it's just all about how much patience you have because, I mean, six months, a year, five years, Sometimes you have to wait over a year to make money, and that is a long time. Joe, what are you seeing on your end uh, with the with the modern market? Well, I mean, the one positive thing I will say, and I, I I don't disagree with anything Jordan just just mentioned, is that 
the modern market had already taken a pretty good hit going into the national. And I think I may have mentioned this on your program before, but I think Jordan would agree with me. One thing that was really encouraging is that after that dip happened, I saw more kids at the national this year than at any national I have ever been to, including the 1991 national, which was the prior sort of record for attendance. So I think what it showed is that this does have legs. The market certainly changed. And, and, and to Jordan's point, some of the risk that people were taking at the levels they were paying. I mean, it's it's just too much in the in the modern game, especially in football, where it's such a tough sport. It's such a violent sport that all it takes is one bad hit and, and you're out for the season, if not more. So while there certainly was the dip and, and that dip started actually more than a year ago, but certainly heading into the national and had taken a, you know, the modern market had taken a pretty a good hit. I saw more young people at that show than I have ever seen. I, I, I totally agree. And I got to tell you, Jordan, before we let you go, um, I think it's important for the modern collector, the young, the younger generation, the young kids to really learn the hobby from the vintage standpoint. So I got a call from a friend of my son's. Um, who has said, I have a friend in Colorado who was at, quote, an estate sale. And he it was a 90-year-old woman. He stumbled upon this card and wants to know if it's real. It was a Ty Cobb bat off the shoulder with the Ty Cobb tobacco back. <laughs> so... <laughs> I said to him, I said, well, number one, I said, and he was a young kid. I said, number one, um, it doesn't exist. And number two, if it did exist, um, it would probably be the most expensive card in the history of collecting because we've never seen one. But anyway, he sent me images Absolutely hysterical. He was a young kid, and he was he was dead serious. Is this real? Should I send it to PSA? I said, don't waste your time. But again, I, I, the point being is that I'm hoping that the modern collectors really take the time to learn the vintage market and what they're buying. I would hope so. That'd be great because then that market could be more active too, and they could learn about history. I think that's kind of what fuels it. I mean, if you... I don't know what kids are learning in class today, but if they're not getting taught history as much as I did or people before me did, then they're not going to care. They're only going to care about, you know, the hip, new, trendy, techie, modern stuff. Then they're not even going to know who some of these people are in 10 or 20 years. Uh, your website address is? Leland's.com. When is your next auction? Uh, it opens the middle of next month, like right after the Super Bowl. Fantastic. Beautiful. All right. Say hi to Hef and the gang over there. Uh, Jordan, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Jordan. Yes, sir. Happy New Jordan Year. Gilroy from Happy New Year, Leland's. Uh, good guy. Good guy. Good company. I mean, you and Hef go way back, uh, Joe, correct? Yeah, Hef's a good guy. Hef's a good guy. Uh, do I hear somebody? Okay. No, I don't. I mean, I'm kind of losing it here. <laughs> 
Okay, let's get back to Joe. Iguana is talking to you outside. Someone's someone's talking to me. The iguana iguana is talking. Joe, let's talk about grading. This is what happens, Joe, when you you know you you just easing into Florida. You're seeing iguanas. Rico's calling about lettuce. It's not a good situation down there. I I have a shuffleboard game going. Uh, Hey, Joe, uh, let's talk about grading. Uh, it seems as though it's it's fluid. The whole grading world is really fluid, uh, and it's changing from day to day. Do you agree with that? Number one, and, and what do you see? What do you see? Uh, you know, going forward with the whole third party grading situation. Well, I, a couple of things come to mind. I mean, in terms of the process itself, and, and maybe advancements in that process, I think you're going to see more and more technology be applied. Ultimately, it's still a human being, you know, at the wheel rendering an opinion. But I think technology can certainly be an excellent assist. Um, And not just with grading, not just with assigning the grade to the card, but, you know, uh, image recognition technology can be used to speed up other parts of the process, which um, I know that PSA was working on when I was there. And I can't believe it's been over two years now. But um, I think you'll see more and more tech improve not just again the the rendering of the grade but just speeding up the entire process making it more efficient more accurate Um, and that's just kind of the natural progression of any business i certainly think it's no different with grading but follow up to that question joe how how does a how do you grade an ultra modern card i mean correct me if i'm wrong but are they are there still imperfections in an ultramonic, a card that comes out this year, is there, are there still imperfections in the centering and all of that stuff? Absolutely. So I, I would say centering generally isn't as much of a problem as it is on vintage, of course, but you'll see things. So on certain modern issues, you'll see surface issues more, more of a problem than it is on, on some more traditional sort of standard card issues from the past. So Every issue has its own set of problems. Um, but look, yeah, are modern cards made differently? Of course they are. Uh, and of course they're made with more accuracy in terms of centering, again, for the most part, not in all cases. But yeah, I mean, look, if I, I remember in my time at, at PSA, we had done a, uh, a project with uh, Upper Deck. And this was going back, it was going last couple of decades, but still in the 2000s. And we graded cards that came right off the press. And one of the problems was they thought everything was going to be a 10. And there were lots of eights and not, and there were there were lots of nines as well and tens. But the assumption is, well, they're coming they're right off the press. Right. Have, and it's not true. So I think every issue has its own set of, of problems and condition obstacles to be aware of. JM. Joe, what's going on at Heritage now? Um, when's your next auction? And uh, that, I'm assuming that'd be your first auction of 2024. And what type of planning goes into that? Is it special because it's the first of the year coming off the holiday? Just talk about that aspect a little bit. Yeah, I, the way I would describe it, it reminds me of my, my old gig at PSA where it's really a hamster wheel. I mean, it's constantly going and you're constantly looking out two, three, four, five months down the road because you have to prep to get these things uh, going in motion. So yeah, we already have an auction that's live for January. Our January card auction already went live uh, over the weekend. Um, and so that's up for people to view. 
we are now just closing down this week is the the final i think tomorrow as a matter of fact is the final day to get in items for the february platinum sale and i know it's easy to sound like a, a hype man you know working at heritage but i promise you guys maybe maybe we'll get together again before that sale that's at the end of february but i'm telling you that platinum sale is going to blow people away yep. it is is absolutely unbelievable and we're not done yet um and so you'll see that stuff will start to populate on the website uh, it already started but you'll start to see a lot more populate over the next few weeks but yeah it's a it's a it is really a hamster wheel you're constantly going so um yeah we were preparing for you know february platinum two months ago <laughs> you know three months ago so right. you're always going and, and and to jordan's point earlier i think the way I would describe it is you have to stay flexible. You might have general goals at the beginning of the year, but the market changes, things get hot, things get soft, you know, consigners change their feelings in terms of, you know, is this guy still active? Is he shutting it down? So you, you have to stay on top of a lot of well, different things. Yeah. And the thing is, in, and I kind of would touch on a little bit with, with Jordan, it's in, in your business, it's, you can plan, 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 but then something comes your way. A consigner calls you, you have a great fine that comes in and all of a sudden, you know, the priorities change, right? Right. It's uh, it's not quite the same thing, but it's like, what was it? Mike Tyson that said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. So I quite like <laughs> That's that. Right. But, That's you know, right. The point being, you have to be ready to pivot because stuff is happening literally every day. And, yeah. and so a lot of times it's very positive stuff. So it's not quite getting punched in the mouth, but you have to be able to adjust on the fly because, yeah, all of a sudden you get that call where a collector's like, look, I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to sell. And it's a, you know, a multi seven figure collection and you have to find a spot. You know, how do we do this? How do we spread this over several auctions? Right. Is it a dedicated solo auction? So there's, there's a lot of work and our, a lot of the people that are behind the scenes that, um, that most of the people out there, they don't know, they don't recognize the names. They work their tails off at heritage and our operation, getting that stuff written and cataloged and imaged. And sh- I mean, it's just a, uh, it's an amazing operation for sure. Joe, can you share uh, any of the little tidbits uh, that are either existing now in the auction or it's coming down the road? You probably can't share the platinum items, but um, you guys have, uh, you, there's been some pretty big consignments to you, correct? Oh, geez. <laughs> so like I said, I think people are going to be blown away. I will say this, uh, starting in the in the current auction, in the January auction, and you'll see this over the next several auctions. Uh, Heritage was able to acquire two or three really impressive unopened collections. Unopened, really. Um, people are going to see some unopened wax boxes. In some cases, some no pun intended. In some cases, cases, entire cases of product that they have never seen come to market before. Um, some of those items we believe will set you know new records for their categories, but. You'll see in the current auction, there's just a sprinkling of them, but you'll see things like, you know, a pristine 1965 Topps baseball box, complete box. God, you're and kidding. Other, and many other boxes, 59 cello, 68 Topps football cello. But there were a couple of tremendous consignments that came in. And again, you'll see little bits of it across the next several auctions. I think that was one of the most interesting uh, things that came through again from a couple of different consigners, but 
you're people for people that are into that part of the market, they're going to they're going to be blown away because they're going to see things that they have never seen come to market before. We are chatting with Joe Orlando, executive. That's a cool title, Joe. Executive vice president of Heritage Auctions. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break and we come back. We got a lot to chat about and we have another Gax moment. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Rico Petroselli. Right now, thousands of children are facing the most difficult times in their lives with serious illness, homelessness, and other tragedies. I hope that you can join us on March 2nd at the County Line Restaurant in Juno Beach, Florida for a live auction and some great baseball talk. If you can't join us, please consider a donation to littlesmilesfl.org. That's littlesmilesfl.org to help these kids. And when you donate, please mention the Great American Collectibles Show. We hope you'll help. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, mile high. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. For more than 30 years, Robert Edward Auctions has been the industry leader when it comes to helping you realize the most money for your baseball cards and sports memorabilia. In addition to their unparalleled reputation for honesty and integrity, they reach the largest number of bidders in the business and offer lower seller's fees, as well as generous cash advances up front on your valuable material. Contact them today at 908-226-9900. That's 908-226-9900 or at robertedwardauction.com. This is Brian Grant, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 
606-LANE, or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game-used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Welcome to another Gax Moment brought to us each week by our good friend Paul Borges and the great staff at PB Collectibles, your neighborhood card shop. Go to pbcollectibles.com to find that card that is very special or that piece of memorabilia that is very special. This week, I want to talk about something that's always been close to my heart, the monster. When Ellen and I wrote our first book, the T206 Collection, The Players and Their Stories, along with Joe Orlando, that was 15 years ago. We never envisioned how the book or the iconic T206 Collection would withstand the test of time. Why is the monster, as it's affectionately known, so popular? A few years back, I read an interesting article on the pre-war cards website on the T206 collection being the top set of all time. Number one, first of all, it has the Mona Lisa of all trading cards, the Honus Wagner card. No need to describe it. Its value and popularity just continued to grow. Number two. The artwork is spectacular. Between the colors, poses, vertical and horizontal views, they're just absolutely gorgeous cards. Number three, trying to put the set together is a monumental task. Over 520 cards, even in low grades, it can be challenging financially and challenging in general. Number four, the various advertising backs make the set very unique. All of the American Tobacco Company brands can be found. In reality, there are thousands of different combinations of backs. Some people collect rare backs, some common, and some a little of everything. Number five, there's literally a million ways to collect this particular issue. It could be your favorite team, a particular back. Southern Leaguers, Minor Leaguers, uh, and all of the backs that go with them, just Hall of Famers, you can go in so many different directions, and that's what many collectors have done. Number six, there are rarities and there are error cards that make it very, very, very uh, popular and fun, but it can, it can be uh, financially challenging. Uh, the Sherry McGee uh, error card. Eddie Plank, Joe Doyle, Ray Demet, uh, the O'Hara card. 
that makes it all fun. But again, it can be very challenging. And by the way, there are many other error cards. You just have to find them. Uh, when we wrote the book, we uncovered a few that we brought to the public. Number eight, the fun part. There are hundreds of thousands which make up this. You can actually get these cards. They're easily available. There are hundreds of thousands of them out there. It's up to you to be creative and what you want to get, how you want to get it, and just go do it. I could spend hours talking about the monster. I still have a special place in my heart for it. After all, the Lena Blackburn card literally lit the fuse for me. And as far as I'm concerned, the rest is history. And that's another Gax moment. Joe, the uh, T206 collection is close to your heart, too, I would assume. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, certainly and and very easily one of the all-time classics, like you said, if not the all-time classic. You know, we had, uh, when we wrote that book, and you, I mean, we couldn't have written the book without you. Uh, it was it was fun. Uh, it was fun. Uh, and I, I made one, and I've, I've said this a thousand times, I made, and JM, I don't know if you're aware of this, I made one almost fatal error when that book came out. And Orlando said to me, are you sure you want to use reprints? And I says, ah, they're not going to care, right? I got annihilated over the years for using reprints in that first book. Never again. All the rest of our books have always been originals. True or false, Joe? <laughs> I, I I hate to do this to you now. <laughs> <laughs> hey um this might be an off-the-wall question i kind of i kind of thought of when we had jordan on but joe is there any impact that fantasy sports has on the value of a player obviously be a modern player um in terms of the marketplace for collectibles it's such an overwhelming, all-encompassing part of sports now you know I, a lot of times i'll come from the media perspective and Sports media now, especially football, has become all about fantasy and gambling, it seems. What's the impact of fantasy on collectibles, if any? I, you know, it's interesting you asked me that because we haven't talked about this before, but I, I have a pretty strong opinion about it. I, I would say absolutely, and I'll, gi I'll give you a personal example. So uh, I've been a fan of all different sports my <clears> whole <throat> life. I had stopped, not, not stopped entirely, but I wasn't following football as closely as I had been in the past. And what brought me back? A couple of friends said, hey, why don't you jump in our league and we'll play some fantasy football? And because of that, I've been playing now for, I don't know, a dozen years, maybe more, something like that, 15 years. It brought me back to the game. And I mean, and I know there are some, you know, people have strong opinions about the negative side of it and, and that sort of thing. But I, I have really enjoyed it because you're sort of if, – if you care about it, with you, if you're playing with your friends and you want to win, and again, friendly competition, you're forced to learn more about the game. You have to learn about the matchups and learn about the defense and, and, and learn about the – really understand the players. And so fantasy football for me completely brought me back to the game. So I think first and foremost, I think the game, the fantasy game, brings you back to the real game. And, and if you have that collecting gene, if that's something that you do, I can't imagine it doesn't have a positive impact for a lot of people um, in just, again, really immersing themselves in the sport because 
if you're playing the game, you sort of have to immerse yourself in the sport and learn the players. And what did we do growing up collecting? Collecting cards was a way, and Jordan talked about history earlier, right? Learning history. Collecting cards at that time, this is way before the internet for me, of course, but that was a way to learn the players, to yeah. learn the history of the game. That's right. And fantasy in a way, and you know, it's a way to learn the current crop of players, understand their, you know, their strengths and weaknesses. Again, the teams. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's great. And I think it's uh again, it helps the sport. And I, I can't imagine it doesn't help the hockey. Just a quick uh, follow-up point on that. I think, it, I think it can also affect collectibles and the popularity of a player in the marketplace uh, of the hobby in another way in that, you know, it's like guys like Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, okay? No one is going to talk about those guys as the greatest quarterback of all time because they don't win enough. But they're great fantasy quarterbacks, which could make a young collector say, oh, I'm going to go get the Derek Carr card or the Kirk Cousins card. And the flip side of that is, and I had him on my fantasy team this year, was Patrick Mahomes, who had to, a, kind of a lousy fantasy year. That may not have been his fault. He doesn't have great receivers and all that. But, you know, that affects Patrick Mahomes standing, I think, in a way, to certain people out there. So I do think it has an impact. Zap, I don't know if you have any, imp- well, any no, input also, on that. It, but what you guys have both just discussed, I 100% agree with you. But I want to get your opinions because it's kind of like this, kind of like an association here. You know, with MLB and the National Football League, uh, you know, supporting uh, gambling now, betting. You can bet. I mean, they're big supporters of it. Is there a fear? I have a fear. I don't. I want to get your opinions, both of you. You know, what is to stop Joe Smith, running back, from having his best friend bet five hundred thousand dollars on the opposing team, and he's going to take a dive? The answer what is, is what not, is to nothing, nothing, nothing any, is stopping any major it, yeah. league player or college yeah. player from doing that. No, I, I Listen, with the online betting, it's so easy now. Anyone can do it. You know, insider trading, inside information. You know, unless a player himself or herself is doing it and can get caught, which it's happened already, um, there, there's no way to stop that. Joe, what do you Joe? think? I mean, look, <laughs> you you can't stop. I mean, you, you there you can't stop everything. And obviously there's, um, look, people over money, they can do some really, um, you know, terrible things. However, you know, I would, I would like to believe that the vast, vast majority of these guys that have been playing these sports their entire lives and working their tails off to get that opportunity, that it would take quite a bit, um, to make them go down that path. Because again, it, just understanding the 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 competitive fire that you need to get to that level of the sport, right? You, you, know, what I, you know what I'm saying in terms of wiring. Um, again, there. I mean, we've had examples of it. We've seen refs do it. We've seen obviously players do it in the past. But um, you can't stop. You can't stop everything. But I'd like to believe that. Um, Again, just because of the nature of the sport, the nature of, of the athletes yeah. and, the, and the opportunity they have in front of them as an athlete to have a career, and, to not jeopardize that again. You can't, you can't prevent 
somebody from going off the rails. But uh, and I, I think the other thing is that you know back in the day, forties, fifties, even going back to the Black Sox, you know, if if you're a, a dumb enough human being to put a six or seven or eight figure salary on the line, so your buddy can make. A grand here, you know what I mean. The salaries are so high now; the players aren't forced to do that anymore, unless you're really greedy and really dumb, which often go hand in hand. So, well, you know something though, there is a movement. Uh, what do you guys think about being able to bet on your own team? I mean, uh, there, you know, there's a movement by by some NFL players to try to ramrod that through. Is that okay, Joe? Jesus, <laughs> put me on the spot. Um, there's something about that that even though. You know, certainly you can make an argument both ways. You know, like what's, you know, the immediate thing is what's the harm of of betting on your own team to win? I I still, there's something about it that just, I don't know, it hits me the wrong way. Plus, you may, in a game, let's just, let's go through this hypothetical. Um, On the one hand, is there anything wrong with betting on on your team to win? You know, you could say no, right? But... You're in the game. These players are in. Let's take football. We talked about what a violent sport it is. They may do something in the game. They may, whatever, take some sort of action that the coach doesn't want them to take in order to good point. <laughs> to win good point. the bet. I mean, I, that can take a lot of different shapes and forms, but I there's just something, I don't know. I don't, it, it hits me the wrong way. I, I, I and I agree with you, by the way. I agree 100 totally Joe, agree. I agree 100 percent with that. No doubt about it. I, and I will say this, though, and I was on long, and we'll get off the subject after that, but I was long on the whole thing of forget about P. Rose in the Hall of Fame. I don't want to hear the sob story about that. But now, now that gambling has become what it is, and that was so long ago, Put the damn guy in the hall. I agree with Please you. Please reinstate I, him. Put and you know he can't manage. He can't coach. Put any kind of de facto rules you want in there. But please, it's 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 hypocritical now. It's hypocritical now. So put him in, or let let him be allowed to be put in anyway. Hey Joe, uh, switching gears for a minute. Um, you know I grew up a little little before you guys. Uh, <laughs> you know my my. my my card selection was in the I started collecting cards in the very late 50s. I'm talking literally in the late 50s, 59. Uh, so I really didn't collect many cards from the 50s, but I collected a ton of cards from the 60s. Um, you know, my favorite players that played in early 60s right through. Um, now that those cards are still very popular. What about the cards, Joe, from the 70s and 80s? I mean, 10 years ago, cards from the 70s weren't that popular. Cards from the 80s were not popular at all. As time goes on, do those decades become more and more popular? Well, yeah, I think it's just part of the natural generational cycle. So for me, you know, I'm I'm 52 years old, so I grew up in the 70s sort of slash 80s. So that's that's baked nostalgia for me. So anyone who's in their, you know, let's call it, you know, late 40s to late 50s, that whole era, um, especially if they were if they were a collector, but that whole era is nostalgia and it's baked. It's like so th- there's something about collectibles from my childhood that you know will never change. That'll always be a part of my you know great memories and and that sort of thing. So I think as time goes on. 
that's sort of the natural cycle of things is that, yeah, I, that's what I remember as a child. You're impressionable when you're five and eight and 10, 12 years old. And those memories are, are forever with you. As time goes on, though, though, do those cards from the uh, 40s and 50s and 60s lose their value? I, I don't think so. We, we've covered this subject sort of on, on your program before. But as it relates to the, the legends, the superstars, I would say absolutely not. Their legends just continue to grow. I do think it has the potential to affect those next, you know, the, the B and C level guys that were part of great teams. So if you were growing up and you were a huge Yankees or Red Sox fan, you know, during the 1960s, um, if you're a Yankees fan, you know, you may have really loved, you know, Moose Scourin, someone like that. Um, but I think as the decades go by, a guy like Moose Scourin gets a little lost because he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not the guy that has the statue, you know, outside the stadium. And so future generations won't know who he is as much as obviously Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth and those type of players. So I do think those guys like fan favorites of a period that weren't superstars could, will suffer over time. Yeah. We have chatting with Joe Orlando from Heritage Auctions. And by the way, uh, I know uh, we ran a commercial at the beginning. On March 2nd, uh, Rico and I, and hopefully JM, if he, if he you know, ponies up, uh, <laughs> we are going to be conducting, we're going to be having an event down here in Florida. Uh, and all proceeds, it's going to be a live auction, a silent auction. Uh, I can't tell you how funny Rico is when he gets up and starts speaking. It's absolutely hysterical. <laughs> I've seen it a million times. So we're going to be having a fundraiser for the Little Smiles. And obviously, we don't expect everyone to come down to Florida. But we're asking you if you would make a donation, 5 bucks, 10 whatever you want to make. And it would go to littlesmilesfla.com. Uh, or is it dot org? I'm sure you'd have to look it up. I don't have it in front of me, but it's little smiles, F-L-A dot org or dot com. And all you have to do is press the donate button. And in the messages, just say Great American Collectible Show or GAX, G-A-C-S, whatever you can afford. Uh, 93 cents of every buck, 93 cents of every dollar goes to the children. That's why we picked this uh, particular uh uh, charity. And by the way, our good friend, Derek Grady, one of Joe's cohorts, uh, he's ponied up. And the bat that I bought a couple of weeks ago at auction, uh, he has, he, he's insisting on purchasing it and all of the money will go to uh, Little Smiles. So, Derek, uh, thank you very much. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We have one more segment. We go to Lando is in the house. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalier and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. 
Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned, the highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become 
another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. Hey, I'm Mike Petroselli. If your company is looking for the best in marketing and promotional items, you'll hit a home run with Petroselli Marketing. With over 8,000 suppliers and 650,000 imprint-ready items, we can get your company the visibility it needs to get your maximum exposure. Whether it be office promotions, wearables, automotive, sports items, and everything in between, Petroselli Marketing can do it all. Our design staff will even work with you from concept to delivery and customize your products. At Petroselli Marketing Group, we will get your brand in front of your audience. Contact us at info at PetroselliMKT.com or call us at 603-880-3202. That's Petroselli Marketing, where no dream is impossible. So how does your company or organization do promotions? Imprinted products keeps your brand in front of your customers more than any other form of advertising. For the best on-time service and new ideas for your next project, give Petroselli Marketing Group a call at 800-264-4294 or email mp at petrocellimkt.com. By the way, I did make a mistake, and one of the very few that I make uh, annually. <laughs> uh, the correct uh, link, well, it's littlesmilesfl.org. You can make a donation going to littlesmilesfl.org or just write down the look at the comments right now and just click on the link, please, if you can. Ten bucks, fifteen bucks. In Malori's case, three dollars. Uh, whatever you can make for a donation, <laughs> we will accept. It's going to a great cause. Uh, little uh, you smiles, can... you get little money. So... <laughs> I'll tell you, Little Smiles, man, it's a great organization. Great, it is. Uh, by the way, Rico and I are doing, uh, we're going to go, uh, they asked us to go to the hospital, one of the hospitals, and we're going to kind of hand out some stuff to the kids. Looking forward to it. Hey, Joe, last week uh, we talked about some of the, the men in the hobby that really impacted impacted this hobby, you being one of them, of course. But I want to talk about, there was a guy that, that had an impact on us on the show when we first started. He was on every other week for two years. And I think he was a legend, uh, Josh Evans of Leland's. Uh, you knew Josh pretty well. What were your thoughts on Josh? Yeah, I mean, for for those of us that go back, you know, that far, you know, into the kind of the 80s and the, and the early 90s, I mean, People have to remember that Josh was doing things to take the hobby to the next level in terms of higher end presentation, higher end auctions before it became fashionable. Um, so and in addition to that, and I know, again, I maybe I have to remind myself of this once in a while as well. But there was a life before the Internet. And back in those days, I mean, guys like Josh, who, you know, were encyclopedias of knowledge when it came to the to sports collectibles, they had to do it without the Internet. You know, now it's so easy for all of us. Right. If I want to learn about something, I want to be a sponge. And I just, you know, get on Google and get on my favorite or get on my favorite search engine and type in a few keywords and up pops the information Back in those days, you had to really work um, to you had to travel. You had to you know network. You had you had to dig and in, into the material and really learn about it. And he was one of those guys that just that had a, an immense amount of knowledge. And again, when before 
higher end presentation and higher end auctions were were fashionable. He was one of the leaders in that. He wanted to present the hobby um, in a better way. He wanted to to make it so you know there was real money at stake. Of course, not as much then like there is now. Right. Um, he was trying to elevate it um, again before it was a, a trend, and so I think you know people have to I think recognize him for those kinds of things. Is there one single guy in the hobby that? made an impact on you? And if not, you don't have, you don't have to answer, but is there one individual that really impacted your, your career uh, or your life as a collector? Oh, geez. I, I don't know if I would inside the industry. I don't yeah. know if I would narrow it down to one person because I I've had several amazing, you know, mentors in my life. Everyone from David Hall, who you know well, who I, who I used to work with for, geez, uh, nearly 22 years at Collector's uh, Universe and PSA to to, to the, some of the guys like Josh and the Hobby that were were there. I, I looked up to them because I, I, you know, I never imagined working in the business at that time, but I saw what they were doing and I thought it was so amazing. But I, I'll, I'll kind of take this in a different sort of turn, you know, a, a guy that really affected me at a very young age, uh, a guy named Max Himmelstein, who very few people on this program will know, but he owned a uh, local baseball card shop called Valley Baseball Cards. And my mom and dad used to drive me down there with my little brother and drop us off there for like hours on end. And of course, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. <laughs> and I would ask Max about a thousand unimportant, annoying questions throughout those few <laughs> hours. And you know what? He was so patient with me. That's and great. He encouraged me to collect. And, you know, I, I the way I look at it is if I didn't have an experience like that as a young person, I would have never taken it into my adult years. I certainly would have never worked in the industry. But that's uh, as far as industry people go, um, I would say he had the the greatest impact on me as a as a young guy, as a really young kid. JM. Joe. What do you see as trending or trends for 2024? I mean, just in, you're much more immersed on a daily basis in the hobby than than I am or even Zap is. But, um, you know, I've just seen doing this show over the last year to year and a half, you know, game worn autographs, signed contracts, uh, signed photos, things like that. Even the signed um, cards and, and baseballs, which is, especially the cards, which used to be verboten back then, you know, you don't sign a baseball card. Um, are those things going to continue to rise um, this coming year? Do you see other types of items that might rise up? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. So the last, you know, let's call it, you know, three, four years, you know, we've gone through this this crazy pre-COVID and during COVID and post-COVID uh, time. And many different areas of the hobby, as you just mentioned, John, have had kind of their moment in the sun. And now things, I mean, and I think this is, a, I don't think this is a bad thing. I think things are kind of settling down, like all that noise, all the volatility has gone away and now yeah. we're settling back down. Um, but I, I don't know if there's a particular category, although, as I mentioned earlier, I do think this, this spread that you'll see of unopened material that's coming into the hobby, I think that's going to garner new interest in some of that, because again, you're going to see, people are going to see things they've never seen before. So I think that'll bring people more into that market. And that's been a a market that is gradually sort of pro it's, it's progressed on, on its way up uh, the vintage unopened market. But 
I think it's, you know, it's just more of the same in terms of quality. I think quality sustains through volatile markets, modern going up and down. It's the quality stuff in all of those categories, vintage photos, game worn cards, signed cards, whatever it is, unopened, that continues to sustain. And one thing I think that was really interesting um, towards the end of the year for Heritage is that you guys had mentioned earlier in the program, you, you brought up the whole investing part of it. So did Jordan early in the program. What was really interesting is that when I look at our November auction, and that was our last big catalog before the year closed out, um, really the stuff that stood out in terms of prices realized that like you know blew you away, a lot of that was very collector-driven. It was collector-centric. It wasn't the the, the the if you want to call it quote unquote speculator stuff it wasn't the investor stuff it was things like we 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 received this incredible consignment of Venezuelan tops cards and and to some people that might be as esoteric as it gets yet those cards went bonkers across the board and those are collectors buying yeah, them. That's, that's a right. good point right one thing, that, one thing that I'll say is like up and down economies up and down markets who is always there to support it? Collectors. Collectors. The collectors yeah. are always there right. to keep it going. But I think as we look forward into 24, um, I think just a, a, you know focusing on quality in all categories, but and, and in addition to this interesting unopened collection that are actually a couple of them that are coming to market, I think you're going to see the the steady eddy stuff continue to, to do well um, in, in all categories. Joe, we love having you, man. We, you, you bring so much to, to the hobby. JM, we have about a minute and a half left. I'm going to ask you a quick question. You have in front of you, JM, right this second, yeah. you have a 1964 unopened tops pack okay. that came from Eddie's Variety. Do you, <laughs> I know, I know do you, Eddie's Variety very well. Do you open it or do you not open it? I don't. I don't you open don't. it. I don't open it. No, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna try to you know consign that with Joe unopened. <laughs> no, and, no, no, no. Uh, you you have to either keep it or open it. <laughs> you mean, you I'm do? not gonna make I'm not gonna try to sell it or anything. I have to keep it. Yeah, well, if you yeah, I mean yeah. Don't you want to know? I'm calling Joe you? Orlando and I'm asking him what I should do with it. <laughs> <laughs> open it. I'm opening it. He just said open. <laughs> oh, <there you> go. <laughs> Don't open it. All right, it. Joe. All right. Listen, uh, obviously. Hey, Joe, before so I quick, very quick. Otani, you're in <clears throat> Southern California, right? Is it Otani crazy there yet at this point or what? Yeah, I mean now now he's on the bigger stage, yeah. so yeah, I, I that's going to be pretty exciting to watch. Yeah. And I just just crossing fingers that he stays healthy. Right. I still think that team they've got some weaknesses. I think that team has some weaknesses, not as many as the Red Sox, but they have some weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, too many starting pitchers, that yeah, right? Are right. Too much talent. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Joe. Listen, uh, say hi. Uh, to everyone back at Heritage, uh, love you guys. You guys have been great for great. You, you guys have been a support uh, from day one of this show, and we really, really appreciate it. JM, have a great week. Next week, Rico is in the house with me in my abode right here. Literally, in, literally in the house. He's in the house. Literally, he's going to be. <laughs> we're going to be broadcasting together from my little home here. So we're going to. That's going to be a trip and a half. With that being said, uh, we love you guys. Joe, have a great week. Say hi to Kristen and the kids. JM, have a great week. And to our viewers and listeners, happy collecting.
The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.